Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Everybody say hello, Nate. Nate uh, leads our, our Kairos ministry, and uh, Nate, can you tell us what the, what the Kairos ministry is? Yes, I can, Pastor Drew. Um, the Kairos is an international prison ministry. Uh, it has over 120,000 volunteers worldwide. Um, the ministry's purpose is to bring the love and forgiveness to um, the incarcerated individuals, both men and women, and also to their family members and their children, and um, lastly, to the people that are inside the prison that work there in that particular facility. Um, we have over 50 people in this church that participate in some ways in that ministry. And um, the foundation of the ministry is that we have teams of individuals that go into medium and maximum security prisons throughout the world, and they provide a four-day course on Christianity and just shower the, the individuals with love and compassion. We also have a component called Kairos Outside, which is for the wives, daughters, and mothers of individuals that are incarcerated. And that's a free weekend at Skycroft Center for those individuals. And that is an amazing weekend as well. So I would encourage people to think about that as well. So Nate, tell me the story of, tell me, I know there's a hundred and I know that there's, there's many, but just give us one quick life change story. What comes to mind? Well, I've served on six different teams and my first team, I remember what touched me, what really overwhelmed me was I came in and sat down and the weekend coordinator says, well, no, you didn't know you're going to have to write 50 handwritten letters. And I thought, that's a lot of letters. So I started writing letters, and I wrote my letters and prayed over them for weeks. And then we brought our letters into the prison. We brought 1,800 letters into the prison when we, when we go in. And there's a time on the weekend where the men come in, and you first meet them, and their hearts are like empty shells. They're like people walking with no souls. They, they have no hope. And um, so there's a time when they get their letters. And I'll never forget the first weekend, there was a man, huge man, over 250 pounds, and there was no, he was not overweight. He was just a big hulk of a man. And he was so angry, and he wouldn't speak to anyone. He came in, and he sat down at the table, and there were a bag of letters there. And he pulled out one letter, he opened it, and he dropped it down between his legs, and the tears just started rolling down his face. And a man came up to encourage him and said, are you, are you okay? Are you okay? And he said, you don't understand. I haven't received a letter or a phone call in over 20 years. And he slid his letter back into the envelope, and he just wept. And the man said, it's okay. You know, these are all your letters. 
And he said, you can open them and read them. And he says, no, I'm going to save these letters and open one a week. And I'll have enough for a whole year to have one letter for a whole year. And you know, after that, that man's heart changed. His heart was touched by that. You know, I'm convinced, Drew, that those letters are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You know, when you look at the New Testament, what is the New Testament? It's letters. Letters to to people to encourage them. So, you know, there's just one story of how somebody's heart was changed. Well, Nate, I know that you just really, you do this ministry because you just have lots of extra time. (laughs) uh, Not much else to do in your life. Uh, right? Yeah. Is, it, is that... <clears throat> you know, I, I tell you, Brother Drew, um, it is a sacrifice to do this ministry. You have write letters. I write my letters for a season during my devotion time. I pray and write. Um, you have to attend four Saturdays of training, and then you go in for four days inside the medium and maximum prison for 12 hours. You're in the prison for 12 hours. So, it is a sacrifice, but I believe, Drew, that God is calling for us to be wholehearted. He is looking for a sacrifice without blemish, Amen. with no stain. And the sacrifice that I give, I've seen amazing things happen. You know, there, each time I've gone, I've seen miracles. I've seen people healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it is worth it when a man stands up. And he said he did not know love for 36 years until today. It's worth it. It's worth it. So, um, again, our goal as we seek to reach 0.0013% of our population, that's at 5,000. And, again, I want you to look around at all the empty seats around you. This is not guilt. This is inspiration. Every one of those seats is a life that Jesus died for. Um, our goal is, is um, not to... You know, to please consumers, uh, our goal is not to, to be the, uh, the greatest show in town. Our goal is to get disciples of Jesus Christ carrying their cross in the world and being on the road. Broken people who know Jesus out in the world with broken people who don't. And so I just want to say that every one of us has a gift and a call in our life if we follow Jesus. And we have to get out in the world and, and change it in Jesus' name. So Nate, how can people get involved in Kairos? What's the next step if somebody wanted to, to, to get involved? And of course, you know who Nate is. You can have a conversation. But what do they do next? Well, we have an info table out in the lobby. But I tell you, Drew, you can tell. I've heard it said that you can tell where a person's heart is by looking at their checkbook and their calendar. If you want to make a difference, put a mark on the calendar and get engaged. And if not this ministry, do something like that. You know, that we already have the dates for next spring. You know, we're looking for men and women to serve on those teams here in Jessup and also out at Hagerstown. And we're looking for musicians as well. So, you know, come talk to me or someone out at the table. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Thank you. Let's praise Jesus uh, for the, the Christ in Nate. Thank you, Nate. Well, this morning, uh, I wanted just to, to share with you um, kind of one of the core messages that there is in, in all of Christianity. And, and I want you to know, really, the difference is dying. Um, what we admire most about Jesus' life, we imitate the least. And 
we talk about the cross, but we are very hesitant to, to ever carry it. But at every level of life, the difference between real and unreal, the difference between um, authentic and inauthentic, the difference between truly fulfilled and satisfied and this sense of longing for something more, the difference between uh, even ultimately hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, and depart from me, I never knew you, is all found in our willingness to die, to take up our cross and to let Jesus have this, this life that we used to call ours. The simple truth is, where there is no cross, there is no Jesus. Galatians 5.24 says this, those who belong, and I love the word belong, before you get any farther, just soak in the belonging side of things. Because you are not unwanted, uh, you are not abandoned, uh, you are not unacceptable, you are not ungifted, uh, you are not ugly, you are not stupid, you are not anything that hell says you are. You are Jesus' child. You are the, the, the beloved of the Father. You are what God valued more than his own life. And when you accept love, you belong. And, and so now, those who belong, to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions in response to this scale of love. There is a, an authentic movement in our heart that costs us something. And we nail the passions and desires of our sinful natures to his cross and, and, and have them crucified there. Guys, I want to share with you that, that we who live in this fallen planet are invited into a new kingdom. We who live in this broken world are invited into an unbroken world. But if you want to gain a life, an eternal life, you're going to have to give up a world. That, that's just the foundation of everything. You see, the price of an eternal life in Christ is to give up our temporary life in this world. And it's a big ask. It's a, it's a huge request of God. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Unlike so much of, um, of what we see in, in so many areas of life where you start off small, you know, and, and you, you kind of grow, like basic training. You know, basic training, you start off with, with uh, you know, a, a small amount and then it kind of builds or it, starting in any sport, you start small and build. Not in following Jesus. He starts from the beginning asking for everything, <laughs> you know, your whole world. And, 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 and we work really hard to downsize that and to make it safe um, but it is not safe and we can't downsize it. When you joyfully belong to infinite, it's a little easier to give up finite. And that's what God is asking us to do. So when we belong to Jesus, the cross becomes the core. And we nail our passions and desires. Now, now passions really kind of stands for the energy of, of our, our wanting, our, our life. All of us want things and we want people. We want stuff. We want experiences. Passions is the energy that refers to everything that we're strongly tempted to use to answer the pain, the emptiness, and the longing of life in a broken world. And what you feel strongly and deeply inside of you that you want, that you are pulled towards as an answer for your life is a passion that has to be crucified. Now, in addition to these passions, there's sort of the, the idea of the, um, of the, the, uh, um, the, the second part, desires. And these are all over the map. These are, again, 
ideas. These are, are kind of very deep and concentric circles into our, our soul. And, and this is all of the, the imaginations that we have of how life should be what life should be like, what we're owed in life, what life would be like if it were good, what we could have secretly if, if we could get it and nobody would find out, you know. Uh, these are all the things that, that we build in a sense. We're creating our own little mental world inside. And all of these, um, we are called to, to give up our own world building and, and give up all of the portrait of how we think life should be. Guys, we can't live in two worlds. Jesus came to lead us out of a dead and a dying world into an everlasting kingdom. Uh, the bridge to this new world is the cross. And, and the simple reality is that entering the new means leaving the old. And to gain a life that is eternal, you have to give up a world. You have to give up the world you imagine. You have to give up the, the broken world that you desire. And there's kind of two, two portraits of, of a broken world. You know, one is the view that you really don't see it as broken and it looks pretty good. And you think that getting enough of it is going to satisfy you. Um, right? And so now you just think, you know, these are the, the lottery fantasies, you know. Anybody have those? Y'all tithe and pay off the building when you win. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. No, don't, don't waste your money. Um, but, but it's the idea that if I could only have, and then you fill in the blank, then I'd, I'd really be happy. I'd really be satisfied. And these are the deep down thoughts too. Man, if I could just trade in my spouse and get so-and-so, man, I'd, I'd be right. I'd, life would be good, you know. And that's, this is the live hell that says that you actually can be happy in a, in a dying world. Um, if you can be happy on a sinking ship, there's something wrong with you. Now, the other side is, um, you know, so that's the side where you really don't know the ship is sinking. The other side is you know the ship is sinking. You know the world is broken. And, and, um, and, and the question there is, will you, will you, will you give it up? And, and in realizing there's nothing there, it, it's like that experience of getting what you want and then finding out you don't want what you got. And, and, and that is a place of, of laying down the old it's broken because you know it's broken and you you trade it for a new world and the other is is walking through the illusion that this world can ever satisfy and 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 realizing no it, it can't i i have to to lay it down the bridge to the new world is the cross and entering the new means leaving the old and if we won't reject the old it's because we've rejected the cross and I want to share with you that there are far too few of us who are, are, are living lives that are cross-carrying. And there are far too many of us who are trying to live with one foot in both worlds and it doesn't work. I told you the story of my friend Roy Jakes who bought a boat. And we were down at the marina. And he's, he's got his proud new 24-foot uh, Sea Ray. And uh, he's not an experienced boater. And he's standing on the dock and he, he casts the line off and he, he's standing with one foot on the dock and he steps over onto the, to the transom of the dock and you know <laughs> slowly what happens. <laughs> and I'm just standing there. I could have helped him the first two seconds. <laughs> but it was simply too priceless. You have those kind of friends, you know, right? 
there are friends like that would be very inappropriate. There are friends that's like, please, can you wait? I got to get a camera. <laughs> and so <laughs> the look on Roy's face as the boat slowly, <laughs> and, and by this time it's too late to help the man. And, and it's just that inevitable, you know, wait for the splash. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very funny. When we try to do that uh, in, in the, uh, the kingdom and the world, it is, it is not so funny. It is, it is tragic. It is eternally tragic. For 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Guys, the difference is dying. The difference between the life you're looking for and, and the life of dissatisfaction that you may have is, is dying to yourself. The difference between getting over your procrastination um, and, and accomplishing the things you know God has called you to, it's, it's dying to, to self. The difference between a life of fear and, and self-hatred is dying to the fear and self-hatred. The difference is dying. And, and I want to call you today to, to joyfully trade a world for a life. Trade this world and, and all of your ideas about it satisfying you for the eternal life that Jesus can give. Let Jesus Christ be your life builder. Let him be your world giver. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be incredibly hard. It's going to go soul deep. But, but this is the call of, of the Christian life. Because the centerpiece... The whole meaning of Jesus' life is a cross and a resurrection. In Matthew 16, 21, um, we, we're following, and just to, to bring you in context as we're going through Matthew, you remember last week we talked about, about our identity in Christ. And, and God just really spoke to me just really clearly, you know, that the more we understand our, uh, the identity of who Jesus is, the more beautifully we know who we are. And if you're struggling with your own identity and being comfortable in your own skin, then you simply need to, to look to Jesus because in gazing on him, you'll find your peace with you. Jesus says to Peter as he says, who do people say I am? Well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. And he says, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, uh, son of Jonah, uh, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but you are Peter. I'm giving you a new name in recognizing who I am. I want you to recognize you are now more. And upon this rock, the, the rock of your confession, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. That's the setup for where we are today. Chapter 16, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, there's a, there's a shift in Jesus' ministry after this core setting of his identity that he is, in fact, not just another Messiah, or excuse me, not just another prophet, um, rabbi, but he is, he is the I am. He is the son of the living God. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now the disciples had had this idea of Jesus and who he was and, and what he would bring to their lives. And what Jesus was supposed to bring to their lives was the, the rise of Israel. And when the Messiah came, popular tradition, not scripture, but popular tradition, 
said that, that Israel would rise to its prominence under the, the glory days of David and Solomon when, when all of the Near East was under control of, of ancient Israel. That was the way it was supposed to work. And, and in the train uh, of Jesus' rising star, then all the disciples, their lives were going to be just shooting upwards. They're going to have positions of influence and power. And they were the first on board, you know. So they were going to be getting all these great cabinet positions in, in the, the new uh, order of things. And Jesus wrecks all that. This whole mental picture they had of, of the life that they wanted. He said, no, 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 no. It's, it's not going to be that kind of glory. And what you have envisioned in your mind is not going to happen because I'm not going to go and, and be accepted. I'm going to go and be rejected. And it's going to be ugly. I'm going to be persecuted. In fact, I'm going to die. And on the third day, I will be raised again. You see, everyone wants a resurrection without a crucifixion. And there isn't one. So I'm trying to tell you that that if you're dissatisfied with empty religion, good. I am too. I have no use for it. If religion was all there was, I would not be doing what I am because it would be to me a, a, just a waste of, of time. If what I was offering you was an incremental approach, uh, you know, an incrementalism, a, a gradual kind of self-improvement or moralism towards God, that would be a waste of time. The only way in to this new eternal life is to completely give up your world. And the trouble with this is, is that it, it really, really goes deep. So, so we have the stuff on the outer edges of our life, you know, that, you know, it's probably pretty easy to give up here, you know. This is the obvious sins, you know. This is the lying, this is the, the greed, this is the, you know, maybe the, the cussing, um, you know, these are the obvious sins that, that, you know, you kind of identify with, with things. And those things, when I say easy to give up, I mean, what I mean is that you know kind of, mm, yeah, that's an obvious wrong. It gets a little bit more deeper uh, and personal uh, the farther you go in. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. I, I, I have to let you be in charge of What? You don't know how my boss treats me. And the things I've said about him to my coworkers is true, Jesus. What are you telling me that I have to pray for that man or that woman and, and honor them? What are you, what are you telling me I, I got to serve them? They have, have stabbed me in the back I, and I have to love them? And then at the deeper and deeper levels, we have these ideas about what we're due, what we're owed, what, what life should be how we'll be loved, and how the people in our family and our, our world should love us. And Jesus said, that's a part of your world building. And if you want my kingdom, you have to give up your world. And I say to this, no, no, Jesus, this is a really good idea. And you should listen to me, you know, because um, I've, I've got great ideas about what my life should look like, Jesus. And, and Jesus says, you've got to die to the things that you most deeply want that you didn't hear from me. You've got to die to 
the idea of an easy life, you have to die to a life that is about you and your glory. And, and it gets really, really successively harder. The deeper that, that Jesus reaches into your life and calls for you to die. It's like giving up the stuff, you know, that you don't really want. When I was a kid, we would occasionally, um, you know, give things away. We were pretty poor, but, but my mom would occasionally, you know, um, tell us to gather up stuff. and We would give it away to people around us. It was really easy for me to give away my broken toys. Okay, no problem with that. little tape here, you know. Um, you know, when I was getting a new bicycle and I was giving up my, my fourth generation hand-me-down bicycle, there was like 10 pounds of paint on that bike, you know. That was not a hard move. But what about when Jesus starts asking you to give up the stuff that you, that you really like, that you really want? Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> never, 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 never. This shall never happen to you, Jesus. And Jesus turned to, and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Guys, this, the, the, the one thing I don't like about our, our version of Christianity is it's so easy to say stuff. It's so hard to live it out authentically. That's why the older I get, sometimes the less I, I just want to say, and the more I just want to kind of be quiet with God and just do. Because it's easy to talk about, you know, I love Jesus. Do you? Do you love him more than you love yourself? Do you love Jesus enough to serve and bless your enemies? Do you love Jesus enough to stay with your wife and husband even when they aren't meeting your needs? Do you love Jesus enough to, to love your parents when it's difficult? Yeah, I love you, Jesus, when it doesn't cost me. But when it does cost me, I'm kind of offended. Peter, you have gone from the identification that I am the Christ and the Messiah to, to missing the core, um, the authenticating core of Christianity, the necessity of the cross and of dying to yourself. You see, if you want Christ's life, you get Christ's death. That's it. You can't have one without the other. And the death of Christ has got to be something not merely that you and I admire from a distance, but that we enter into at a very real and personal level. And guys, here's, here's the lie of, of, of even of, 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 of suicide. Most people who commit suicide do not kill themselves because they want to die. Most people who commit suicide do so because they want the pain to end. And, and Satan lies and said, here's how you end the pain, you die. That's a twisted uh, perversion of what Jesus says. <laughs> Here's how Jesus says. Jesus says, you want the joy to begin, then you've got to die to everything that's broken. You've got to, to give up everything that, that is corrupted. You've got to, to let go of a world that is a sinking ship. And if you will die to all that is of hell and all that is of broken, then I will give you a glorious new kingdom, an eternal life that begins here and now. Life will still be hard. You know, in this world you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, in one sense, 
everything inside of you that is really, you know, either that passionate energy, whether you think of it more on the lust side or, or that passionate energy that's more on this relentless, you won't let go side of stuff. Everything that you're striving for in this world, whether it's more money, uh, more rank, more whatever, you know, all of that. Jesus is saying you'll only find life in letting that go. Some of us here think we have a right to, to sexual fulfillment. I had a friend of mine years ago um, in a seminar just say, you know, it doesn't exist in this world. And, and when you think that you have a right, um, then you begin to be angry and then you begin to excuse, you know, uh, behavior and then you're, you're cheating and, and it's insanity. Your fulfillment will never come from another empty person, only from the fullness of Christ. And so if you love Jesus, you don't cheat. You just don't. And if you do cheat, you don't love Jesus. It's, there's just no in-between. And to give up the desires that you and I have for how life should be and simply to let God write the story of our lives Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the author, he's the one writing the story and perfecter of our faith. It's really hard. But the difference between where some of you are and where God wants you to be, the difference between where some of you are in places of deep dissatisfaction and where God wants you to be in a place of radical fulfillment and, and world-changing love it's just dying. It's just giving up your life as you conceive it. And trusting a love which you belong to forever. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, here's the way. It's not about religion. It's not about checkbox moralism, you know. Um, it's about entering my life in this way. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. This is the paradox of Christianity. This is the heart of the cross that, that we have in the modern world, the modern Christian era, we have taken the cross out of the center of our theology and it has resulted in a, a, a church that is weak and, and insipid and no threat to hell and, and not on message for the world. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted on you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Our participation in the life of Christ is not merely theoretical and observational. It's practical and incarnational. Jesus comes to live inside of us and do in our experience on earth what he did in his. He carried a cross. He died. And then there was a glorious resurrection. And he's inviting every one of us here to die to death and be raised to life. And in the imperfect families that you're in, um, the imperfect 
jobs that you have in the imperfect life and, and the passage, Jesus will bring a resurrection. And part of what we suffer is the loss of living self-centered and self-serving, of looking after our own interests. Philippians 2.21 says, each of us looks after our own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Mark 10.45 says, for the, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The message then is that Jesus has served your interests. Now give, now sacrifice your life and serve the interest of others in Jesus' name. Because you see the truth, to, to gain Christ's life, you've got to give up your world. <laughs> and when you give up your world, when you die, you'll find there's this glorious resurrection that, that, that God works in your life that, that also, like a forest fire, ignites glorious resurrections in the life of people around you. The difference is dying. When we die to a dying world and all that world that's living inside of us, we, we come uh, to, to live in, in a coming king and, and, and a coming kingdom. Jesus said in verse 26, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels. And then He will reward each person according to what He has done. And so when we live in the world, we, we live not only with a, a, a sense of the, the recency, the nearness of Jesus' first coming, we also live with a sense of anticipation for Jesus' coming again. And i tell you the truth, we, me as a pastor, I've got to do a better job of helping you realize Jesus is coming again. He is the bookend of history. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he who came once unrecognized will come a second time and will be universally recognized. But to gain Christ's life, you have to give up your world. Some of you here know a lot of religious stuff, but you haven't given up your world. And I, again, gosh, I'm just telling you, here's, here's why Jesus said that that you know, sheep and goats will live side by side and that the, 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 the wheat and the tares will live side by side. The truth is that we're going to grow through life side by side and then we're going to die. And some of our lives will have looked pretty similar side by side and then we'll stand before God and, and God's going to say to some of us, um, depart from me, I never knew you. And he's going to say the, to the other person whose life outside kind of looked fairly similar, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the difference will have been who died and was resurrected and who held on to their life in this world, rejecting the cross. Jesus' willingness to die made all the difference in the world. <laughs> and so will yours. Please, I know you're all looking up here, but really, look up here. <laughs> so will yours. When, when I talk about what an amazing difference your life can make, I'm not talking about your name being in spotlights or people knowing you universally. I'm not talking about, you know, you being a Christian superstar. I'm talking about all of heaven and all of the angels, you know, like Hebrews 12, the, standing around and applauding the living of your life as you, as you stand, you know, and, and, and die carrying your cross selflessly serving the interests of Jesus and the people around you and, 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 and nobody else may notice, but God does. 
and you're living for an audience of one boldly, and your eyes are on eternity, and you know that your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So you live confidently. You live with a strength and an identity. And, and you, you live with Jesus being resurrected and, and you spread a life around you. Paul said we are the aroma of Christ in the world. And I'm just telling you, your life matters more than you know. Other people's eternity hinges upon whether you'll die or whether you're going to live in the, the lie that this world can make you happy or whether you're going to live unhappy and perpetually trying to, to scratch your happiness out of this, this dead world. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so, here's what I want you to do today. Deny yourself. Do the hard work of, of dying to the hell in you and the hell around you, you just die to it, even the stuff that's attractive, because let's be honest, right? Let's be real. Some of hell's stuff is attractive. Am I lying? It's true, and it's hard, and it'll cost you. And some of you in the military, when you're away, and you think you can cheat with nobody ever knowing it, you can't. And when you're truly cross-carrying, you will, you will not take that opportunity. You'll stand for Jesus, and, and you'll deny yourself. It is hard to say no to yourself. I hate saying no to myself. Even when I, when I, when I get on a bike ride or something, again, I, the other day went riding, and it was a little cold and, and hard. Marcia said, do you enjoy yourself? I said, no. <laughs> it was cold, and the couch was warm, and there's a blanket on the couch. But there's no life on the couch. We've got to learn to say no to ourselves. Secondly, take up your cross. You have an infinite call to live in a finite amount of time. You've got to take up your cross. Spend your life living Jesus first, not you first. You died. Jesus lives. Your, your life God has got. He's got your back. He's got your interest. He's got your past forgiven, your future assured. You're okay. Now live for Jesus. And trust that, that you cannot possibly outgive God. Whatever you give up will be rewarded infinitely more. Lastly, Jesus said, follow me. In every issue, the issue is Jesus. You are not having problems with the people around you in, in one sense. You're having a problem with Jesus. The issue is Jesus. Make it personal. Hebrews 12, 4 says, again, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When, when I have a problem with somebody, my first glance is, it to, is Jesus. It's not going to make that person the issue. Jesus, you're the issue. Now how do I respond? How do I, how do I live healthy here? Make it personal. Live listening and obeying the voice of Jesus Christ. So here's the call today. For you to, to gain the life of Christ is the invitation for you to give up your world. I'm going to ask you to stand. We have a cross on either side, and there's a place for you to, to write the things that you're willing to give up. We, we, we want you to learn to make a move in your faith, to not be stuck and static. And so without, without pause or embarrassment, we often ask you to kneel or to come to the altar and, and, and make it a place of prayer because, because it requires movement and yielding on our part to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to ask you today, to make a deep decision at the, 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 the more you know, core parts of your life. Will you die so that you can be resurrected? 
Will you take up your cross and follow Jesus? What is God asking you to die to today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the church at Seven Run. I pray that we would not be a, a contented group of fearful consumers. But God, I pray that you would raise up fearless Christ followers, a people who, no matter how hard life is, are willing to die to themselves, and Jesus, let you live in them. So Father, today, may there be hundreds of deaths all over this auditorium, and may there also be hundreds of resurrections to where you come to life, Father, in amazing new ways, and Father, you reveal the glory of the one and only. God, call us to death. In Jesus' name, that we might live. And all God's people say, Man, let's yield, let's respond in these moments. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.